This is William Tincup, and we are broadcasting live from Transform in Vegas at the Greenhouse booth. We got Rob with me. We're going to talk a little DEI. All right. So uh, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Happy to. My name is Rob Frowine. I am the co-founder and CEO of Keep Financial. Uh, Keep provides work, uh, basically helps um, employers enable their employees to access cash uh, up front uh, that is earned or vested over time. So think about traditional like products like signing bonuses and relocation bonuses and tuition reimbursement, but we're working with companies um, to pull forward annual bonuses, to, to um, replace stock-based compensation, et cetera. So uh, those are the things that we're doing. Um, before this, I started a company called Cabbage. Yeah, Cabbage yeah. is a small business fintech. Yeah, uh, yeah. With, a, with a K, right? With a Cabbage with a K, and now yeah. Keep with a K. I'm, yeah. I'm sort of, you know. So it's just what do you do? It's a trend. It, it's a trend. Once, once is an anomaly. Twice, it's a. Uh, you, you can draw. You can draw a line between two dots. So I'm showing you an Instagram uh, that I posted a couple of days ago because I saw it at Taco Bell. Uh, but but I really was thinking about the professional market, the salaried market, yeah. and I thought to myself, well, you know, this makes sense at Taco Bell. You get done with a shift, and in the Instagram, y'all just look at my Instagram. It's William Tincup, but it's cash out when you clock out. And, uh, and so I just took a picture of it, Instagrammed it, but basically the deal was, okay, well, that's cool. Like a shift workers got it. Yeah. But yeah. what if you're an accountant or a consultant for Deloitte or something like that? Like, I, well, I will get to DEI, but I'm, I'm fascinated about this. Sure. No, no problem. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to comment on it. First of all, what you're referring to is obviously earned wage access, right? right. Access to capital that you've already earned. Right. Um, you know, but sooner than you would ordinarily receive it, right? Because right. there may be a two week or, you know, twice a month pay cycle, whatever it may be. Um, we're actually the other side of the coin. So we allow you to get access to cash that you've not yet earned. Oh, cool. Uh, in exchange for, um, retention periods, performance, uh, that's expected, uh, that allow you to actually get access, you know, get access to that oh, cash that's now. that's super important. Yeah. And, and by the way, in a retail environment, it's, you need to really run both of those programs right. because- you know, basically everybody's, and I think it's great is adopting earned wage access, although there are challenges with it as well. But I really do think that, you know, getting employees to commit, um, by giving them something really of value that they need today, right. that will help them in a, in a lot of situations is great. And it, and let me tell you, it, it, um, it, it's really important for DEI initiatives as well. Um, a lot of people can really improve their DEI by offering key bonuses right. to get the the talent that they want inside the door. And um, a lot of times people are competing for, you know, for a talent pool that is unfortunately too small. Yeah. Um, and so they can really take a big step forward. On the, walk, on the walk in, I'm, I'm sure you saw the same thing I did. Retail stores that are closed. They are closed. I mean, it's, it's like, I hear something, I, I, you'd have to verify this, but like six or 8% of all Starbucks are closed every day and, um, mobile ordering, like the pre-order when right. you're mobile ahead, right. mobile pre-order ahead. Um, a lot of places, they just turn that off every day because right. the staff can't handle, right. you know, that as well as deal with the, the flood of people that are, that are inside their shop. Right. Well, let's, let's talk a little DI. Okay. Over the last couple of years, let's say five or six years, where do you think we've made strides? What do you think on the positive side of DEI? What do you think we're doing well? Things that you maybe even, you feel, you know, proud of that you see in DEI? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's part of every conversation now. Um, right. And I think before it was something that I, people didn't even know what DEI meant. 
right? So, uh, so I think bringing it to the forefront of people's minds is really important because once something is in the forefront of your mind, you know, you're more likely to consider it when a, when a decision point comes up. Um, and I, you know, I think it's becoming a, a more accepted, uh, it's also becoming more accepted in general that this is something that's hypercritical in the, right. in the workplace. Right. right. It becomes not only a conversation in the, you know, at the HR level or anything like that, it's boards are talking yeah, about this. They are. C-suite founders. They're talking about how do we do this from the very beginning, things like that. So it's, I love that. Um, okay. Let's take the negative. Let's talk about the opposite of that. Where, where do you think we haven't made strides or what would you like to see improve with DI? Oh, uh, so I think, I think that's a big question. Um, I think there are a bunch of different areas, uh, that need to be addressed. One is I want a greater percentage of the population to not only be aware of it and have it in front of mind, <clears throat> pardon me, but also make it a critical part of the company's objective and not just you know, not just say it, but mean it, right. um, and, right. and actually put real action into place, um, that, um, creates the outcomes that we want, um, yeah. that really do. And, and so I, you know, and I also, and I, I think, you know, the recent struggles in the economy, um, have hurt some DEI initiatives, right? Yep. Because people are like, all right, can't focus on that right now. I got to focus on, you know, putting in the plugs on, you know, 20, 20 different holes on the boat. Right. And so I think it's, you know, the, when it's one of the more recent things that's come to light, it's also one of the first things people are willing to forget when they've got some other struggles in their life. And, and also the, you know, is it being effective? Like it's an, it's almost not always it a newer thing on the HR budget, uh, and the CEOs, uh, kind of their attention. But it's also, okay, how do we know if it's working? Well, yeah. And I, I actually think, and I was thinking about this from a different context, but I think it applies equally here. It's the question of what's been the impact right. of DEI, right. right? And the impact and the, and the problem is the data is just very sketchy, right? It's very linear, two-dimensional right. data, which is, you know, we had this many diverse candidates, you know, you know, come through the door. We hired this many diverse candidates. This many diverse candidates makes up this percentage of the company. Now it made up some other percentage, but yeah. those stats are kind of meaningless. Like right. where are we creating? And, you know, and I, and I get the idea that, you know, in certain organizations that the lack of diversity yeah, um, over, over yeah. years, right. you know, has grown these companies where it's just like old white guys like me sitting yeah. in the top, yep. top tier or sitting in the middle tier. And it takes a while for, you know, people to progress to, to levels in the organization. But, you know, we've got to figure out how to accelerate that track. I love that. It's, it's like discussions are great actions, outcomes, and specifically when it comes to, okay, at the end of the day, those people that came in that were from the different backgrounds, how did they impact the yeah. firm? Once we get to the impact and you can show quality of hire and things like that, then you got some, you got some actually some data that you can start to work with, um, but, but it's still a huge problem. And, oh, yeah. and this is a, all right. So this is a totally different example. So let's take the world of SAT and ACT prep. All right. I got there. one in ACT prep right now. So I'm familiar with the space. What's you're going through that. My son yep. is uh 17. So he's a junior. So the challenge is, you know, you have students and, and I have to admit my kids had this opportunity too have a separate tutor oh, to yeah. help them. Oh yeah. And guess what? It helps. Turns out. Helps a lot. Turns, 
But what are, what are we doing for all the people who can't access that kind of test right. preparation? You're just creating more of a, a divide. A huge but between a huge privileged, divide. But between privileged and folks that didn't even know like that there was an ACT prep or an SAT prep or the Princeton Review or whatever, that, whatever those things are. And so that the, the, the trickle down or trickle up effect of that is, right, can't get into the same level of schools right. that their counterparts, right. that their equivalent counterparts can get into which means that they get less access to the right. kinds of jobs that are, that are at, you know, made available to students at, you know, you know, universities or colleges that are better than the one that they were able to get into. So like, it's just like pay inequity. If you start off, if you're a female, let's say, and you start off $30,000 in the hole as opposed to your peers, yep. that's always there. Yeah. You'll never, you're never gonna, you're never gonna root that out. And it's, right. and it's kind of like, uh, you know, everybody always said when you, you know, you go off to college, like make sure you do well your first semester because right. if you do not well, you know, you're going to be playing catch up 100%. on your GPA for the rest of your life. It, all of these things are true. I, all of these things are true. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought up the ACT and SAT prep because it gets to privilege, which is, you know, like I, I told my sons this the other day, I said, listen, you need to be comfortable with the term white privilege because it's. You, if you're going to hear it a lot in your lifetime and it's not bad, it's just something you need to listen to as, and understand what you, where you had it and where others didn't. Right. And what you can do to be a good ally to help other people that didn't have those things. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I have to tell you, and, and, you know, I never, um, ex executed on this, but I, when I was going through that and I was paying the, um, you know, the ACT prep, right. um, fees, I thought there <laughs> should be a program where you could put. You could divide it in half. You could put twice as much, you know, one for your kid and one right. for somebody Sponsor. else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. The same idea that, you know, Warby Parker does with glasses. Right. Buy one pair of glasses, somebody else gets one that, that can't access a pair of glasses. I think we can do that. The one I used in Dallas, they have a waiting list that's all the way to kindergarten. So you in kindergarten, talk about privilege, right? So wow. in kindergarten, you have to be thinking about your junior in high school. Yeah, and well, you, you know, it's, it, that. it's, it's going to start in the uh, maternity uh, labor room. Conception. <laughs> It'll start at conception. <laughs> so what, what, well, what's, so what, what's it? That's what, a whole different what story, What kindergarten man. do you want to get to? What are you, what are you looking at? We, we just got done. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. know what you're, That's so, right. you're um, behind, you're behind the, uh, you're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. You're already behind, um, like measurement yeah. in DEI. What do you think success is for, you know, the professionals that really care about this day in and day out? What should we be looking at as success? You know, I think, I think it's, um, I think it needs to be influenced within an organization, oh, right? That's cool. You know, so there's gotta be some level of, there's, there's gotta be a coefficient. Right. 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 There's gotta be a performance, there's got to be like the raw data, right? How many that fall into each of these categories, right? right? And then you've got to have a performance coefficient and you have to have an impact coefficient. Yep. And if you have something along those lines, comp, you can actually comp, see. Internal comp, mobility. Comp, Scott, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's all sorts of things, but it's, but it ain't just a number. Right. It's not just right. X over Y. Right. It's never should be that. No, no. That's where you get tokenism actually. You get people, even with the best intentions, uh, if you're not doing it uh, correctly, you end up with people that, a lot of attrition. You know, so you can recruit them, and then all of a sudden you don't have all those other things in place, and you just have churn. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Rob, you've been wonderful. Thank you for carving out time for us. Well, thank you for having me on. It's an important subject. I'm, I'm glad you're, uh, you're, you're, you're uh, having this conversation today. Well, this has been fun. Appreciate right. you, brother. Take care. Bye.